Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are in the room live, watching live online, later on demand, or listening to our podcast, our prayer is for you to experience the life-changing power of God in your life today. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the team here at Dayspring. That team is made up of people committed to helping you grow. People grow here because our team loves to challenge, encourage, and equip people to become more like Jesus. If this is your first time visiting Dayspring, we want you to know that this is the kind of church where you get to be you. We're just like you, imperfect people on a journey. We're allowing Jesus to make something beautiful out of our broken and often messy lives, learning to live like him, a little more today than yesterday, a little more tomorrow than today. Even if you aren't sure that you're ready to be on that journey with us, maybe you are skeptical about the claims of Jesus or skeptical of his followers. Well, this is still a great place, a safe place to explore and ask questions as you look for answers. We're asking those same questions and looking for answers too. So I think we can be pretty good company on your journey. So welcome. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church by checking out our Facebook page or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, let's join our service. After 430 years in captivity, God called upon Moses to lead his people to freedom and ultimately to the land promised to Abraham, their forefather, so long ago. As the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, Moses had been raised in the lap of luxury and joined the trappings of wealth and power for the first 40 years of his life. A stark contrast from the last 40 years, alone in the desert with a bunch of sheep. And now he lived and worked as a shepherd. And as would be true of David, many years in the future, caring for sheep would be the training ground for the greater responsibility of shepherding God's people. In what has got to be one of the most epic standoffs in all of history, Pharaoh finally released the people of God to freedom, and they headed out of Egypt toward Canaan, the, the promised land. Uh, experts estimate that two to two and a half million men, women, and children followed Moses into the desert that day. And can you imagine the sight? It would have been like herding cats. It should have been about an 11-day trip. But someone thought it would be really good to take the Red Sea exit off the freeway to Canaan. And well, that's how they found themselves between the sea and a very angry Pharaoh. Red Sea parts, Israelites cross, and now they're in the desert. Whose idea was it to leave Egypt without thinking through the supply chain issues? Like, how do you feed and water two and a half million people and all their animals on a good day, let alone after days in the desert. Which brings us to manna, bread from heaven. Every morning, the Israelites would go out and collect enough manna for that day. 
If they didn't eat at all, it would be bad by the next morning. If they tried to take more than one day's worth, it too would be bad the next morning. Oddly enough, Friday manna was made of sturdier stuff. They would gather twice as much on Friday, giving them enough to rest on the Sabbath. Day in and day out, God was providing exactly what was needed for today. Which brings us to where we left off last week in our series, Beautiful Surrender, the blessing of a Psalm 23 life. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need for today. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time today, we're taking a detailed look at one of the most beloved psalms in the world. Psalm 23 is a song of the poet King David, the second king of Israel. And as we've learned so far, David never intended this psalm to be a funeral prayer although it certainly has comforted millions of people through the ages as they've faced the loss of loved ones. This psalm is a song of blessing. That is, it outlines the blessings that God makes available to those whose lives are wholly surrendered to him. It outlines the kind of blessing that all of us long for, for our lives. And the entire psalm pivots around the truth found in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I have enough. I am content. I am content with what he is doing in me, I am content with what he's doing through me, and I am content with what he is doing around me, not just in my circumstances, good or bad, but in the people I love and interact with. I trust his perfect work at his perfect pace in their lives. Uh, By the way, this isn't a promise. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need isn't a promise. A promise is based on the future. And there are lots of promises in God's word. A promise is a declaration of what someone, in this case God, is going to do in the future. If this verse were a promise, David would have written, the Lord will be my shepherd. I will have all that I need. A promise is for tomorrow. This is present tense. A blessing is for today. Our shepherd is the God of this moment. The God of every moment. We don't have to wait for this promise to be fulfilled at some point in the future. It just is right now. As author Robert Morgan writes, it's not a promise to claim, but a reality to experience. Now, here's the beauty of God's promised blessings. When you have them, life is grand. And the absence of those blessings shines a light on you. That light highlights what you need to do to step into God's promised blessing. So in this case, if you're not content in some area of your life, now, thanks to David, you know that you have a surrender issue to work through with Jesus. Maybe you are discontent with your job because let's say you work with numbskulls and they make your work life harder and less enjoyable. Discontentment with your circumstances is a you problem, not the numbskulls problem. If the Lord is truly your shepherd and you have everything you need as he defines it, not you, then there is a way to be content surrounded by numbskulls. And if you can't, then you have a surrender issue in your life. 
Now that's not to say that maybe you shouldn't look for a new job, but everywhere you go, there you are. And until you can figure out how to be content in every circumstance, you will just take your you problems with you. Discontentment is a you problem. Most of the time, it is fear in all of its many forms that robs us of contentment. We have a hard time experiencing the blessing of contentment right now because we're worried about what will be in the future. Sometimes, maybe even most of the time, I think we rob ourselves of contentment today because we're so focused on solving the problems of tomorrow, which then robs us of experiencing God's provision tomorrow because we solved the problem yesterday without him, which means that we didn't learn to trust him for tomorrow again. And while I wish we could chew on that thought for a while, verse 2 is calling us. Now, I've been encouraging you to memorize these words. I'm even putting my money where my mouth is. Uh, anyone who recites them to one of the pastors, word for word, in the Bible translation of your choice by the end of this series, Labor Day weekend, will get a free drink of their choice from our coffee shop. Uh, Susan and Karen are the only two who have taken me up on it so far, and they prove that I, my belief in your dementia-addled minds is well-placed. And so as we've done the past two weeks, if you are here in the room with me, will you please stand? Uh, online, be wise. If you're listening to the podcast of this message while you're driving, be safe. Let's read these precious words out loud together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Please be seated. We are going to try to make it through verses 2 and 3 today. <laughs> he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Now remember, verse 1 is the key verse to understanding the rest of this psalm. The next five verses simply help us understand what lacking nothing means in everyday life. It might help to think of it this way. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. For example... I have peace. He lets me rest in green meadows. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I, I have all that I need. I also will not lack provision, for he leads me beside peaceful streams. Sheep eat standing up. The only time a sheep would eat lying down would be when she is sick. It's only after a sheep has eaten her fill that she would lie down and chew her cud. 
Like cows, sheep have four stomachs. So they will graze quickly, briefly chewing their food and mixing it with saliva before swallowing it. And then when they're full, they lie down and that first stomach pushes the food back into the mouth so they can ruminate on it before swallowing it again. The process keeps the sheep busy for several hours a day. So when David says, he lets me rest in green meadows, the sheep have already grazed to their fill. All of their needs are met and they are resting in the blessing. Sheep are timid animals. The only way they can get away from danger is to run. So rest doesn't come easy for them. But the shepherd doesn't give the sheep rest by ridding their world of danger. In fact, sheep only lie down when they can see their shepherd. When they feel safe because he's around. He simply stays in sight. They are at peace. Sheep won't lie down anywhere when they are troubled, insecure, or frightened. Sheep only lie down when they feel safe and secure, when they feel peace. In Psalm 4, another Psalm of David, he writes, In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. So for the one who is living a fully surrendered life, the blessing is, I lack nothing. My needs have already been met. God has provided everything I need physically, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. My mind is at peace. I'm not ruminating over anxious thoughts, but ruminating over the promises and provision of my shepherd. I'm resting in what he has provided, not longing for more. Now, that's not to say that I don't have ambition, but my ambition is properly ordered through my surrender. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 3. He writes, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. That's holy ambition. He wants to become everything God has for him. This is a holy passion to become like Jesus and to pour himself out to advance his kingdom. Paul won't settle for less. But that holy ambition is balanced by this attitude that we looked at last week. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So think of it this way. I will pour my life out as an offering, but I will trust God to do what he wants to do with it. I am not responsible for the outcome. That's in God's hands. I'm just responsible for the input, what I bring to the table. I am going to bring my two fish and five loaves and present them to Jesus. 
He can decide what to do with them after that, whether he wants to eat them all by himself or feed 5,000. I am at peace having done my part. Besides needs being met and a mind at peace, green meadows are also symbolic of a soul that is fed by the word of God. The English word pastor is related to pasture and is used to describe a shepherd who leads the flock, that is the church, into the green pastures of the scriptures week after week. In Jeremiah 3.15, God told, told the Israelites, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will guide you with knowledge and understanding. Psalm 100 says that we are his people, that is God's people, the sheep of his pasture, and our souls are nourished when we choose to feed to ruminate, much like sheep do, on God's word, his faithfulness, and his promises. So we read, we study, we meditate, we pray through, and as we do, we are transformed in the green pastures of God's word. Our needs are met, our souls are fed, and we are at peace. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. I am at peace for he lets me rest in green meadows. And because he leads me beside peaceful streams, he has taken care of both my hunger and thirst. A peaceful streams are an extension of the imagery that David began with green pastures, but add to, add to it the element of comfort. In the original language, the word that we see translated as peaceful or still in some translations uh, has the word comfort in it. Sheep are scared of moving water. If a sheep falls into water, the fleece soaks up the water like a sponge. The added weight means certain death unless they are rescued. But if a sheep is thirsty, it will become restless and set out in search of water. If it isn't led to clean, pure water, it will often end up drinking out of polluted holes where it will pick up parasites or disease. So a good shepherd will comfort his sheep. He will allay their fear as he leads them to peaceful waters. In the same way, our shepherd has made it clear that our thirsty souls are only satisfied when we are quenched through him. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And at the end of the festival of shelters, one of the Jewish feasts, Jesus said, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So spiritually, to drink means to take in, to accept, to believe. Author Philip Keller writes, it, is, it implies that a person accepts and assimilates the very life of God in Christ to the point where it becomes part of him. That is, when we drink living water through the Holy Spirit, we become like Jesus. Our lives begin to look like his. And, though, and through the Holy Spirit, God has become part of us. He is the living water who leads us to the pure water of life that will never run dry. If the weather is not too hot, sheep can go quite a long time without actually drinking. 
when they graze in the early morning, if there is heavy dew on the vegetation, they can keep hydrated on the amount of water they take in as they eat. So as the green meadows are symbolic of God's word and peaceful waters are symbolic of the Holy Spirit, they work together to meet all of our needs, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. Bringing us to verse 3. We are on a roll now. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. I have hope and encouragement, for he restores my soul. He renews my strength. Now, since none of us are perfectly surrendered or even perfectly surrendering, there are times when our souls become distressed and in need of restoration. As we discovered last week, David knew what it felt like to be rejected and despised. He knew what it was like to feel alone. He knew the weight of his sin and what that did to his spirit. Psalm 42 tells the story of a man who carried the burden of feeling distant from God, taunted by doubters and overwhelmed by the trials of life while longing for better days. In it, he writes, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Instead of why am I so discouraged, the older King James Version says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And it is in those two words, cast down, that we find another parallel to sheep that we city slickers would roll right over. We don't understand the significance of a cast sheep or a cast down sheep. A cast sheep or a cast down sheep is a sheep that has li gotten literally turned upside down. Uh, sometimes a sheep, often a sheep that wears an extra large wool coat, if you catch my drift, will decide to lie down and rest in a little hollow or depression in the field. It doesn't take much for them to shift into position where their feet no longer touch the ground and they find themselves flailing, feet in the air, trying to right themselves to no avail. They are stuck in an unflattering position, vulnerable to attack, unable to take in food or water. The gases in their ruminant stomachs building up and cutting off the blood supply from their extremities. A cast down sheep can perish in a matter of hours if they aren't restored by the shepherd. Like sheep, we too can become cast down for many reasons. Sometimes the guilt and shame we feel as a consequence of our sin leaves us cast down. Maybe the hopelessness of sin through some addiction that we can't seem to shake. Uh, sometimes we're cast down by stress or sometimes by sorrow. Micah 7:19 says about God, once again, <laughs> you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them or cast them into the depths of the ocean. He will trample our sins and cast them into the depths of the ocean. When we are cast down, our sin is cast away as he restores us. Psalm 103 says they are cast as far as the east is from the west. He renews, as we see in the New Living Translation, or restores, either way, the work is in present tense. It's something that God does immediately, right now. We don't have to wait for it. And besides restoring us from sin, our good shepherd also restores us from stress. Think about the cost of this last season in our culture. 
from March 2020 until things began to return to some form of normal, the drain on our spirits was staggering. We were cast down in spirit. Our attitudes and energy depleted. The psychological ramifications of ongoing stress are staggering. When trauma hits, we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we do whatever trauma requires. We survive, but we survive at a cost. The cost of trauma eventually leaks out in lots of unhealthy ways, coping mechanisms, if we don't allow the shepherd to restore us, to renew our strength. How much of the bad behavior that we see in our world today is a result of that trauma with no shepherd to restore? Our shepherd restores us from stress. And he restores us from sorrow. Life is full of loss. We grieve loss in all of its forms, not just the loss of a loved one to death. Grief has many faces. We grieve the loss of a dream, the loss of a job, financial instability. We grieve the loss of relationships, of unmet expectations. We grieve the loss of freedom and mobility as we age. We grieve the loss of innocence. We grieve the state of this world. You name it, we can grieve it. Grief steals our hope. The Apostle Paul was no stranger to sorrow. To the churches in Philippi, Corinth, and to Timothy, he lamented his desire to be done and be with Jesus. His groaning for heaven while still stuck in his earthly assignment. Our good shepherd is always watching his flock, waiting to restore when we are cast down. When we turn to him and trust him with all of our hearts in surrender, he renews our strength. He restores our broken souls. A singer and songwriter Natalie Lane in her song, All Joy, sings, I gave you my heart in pieces and it healed inside your hands. That's what we're talking about. He restores, he makes whole, he gives strength. But we're not done yet. There is more to the Christian life besides rest and restoration. There are times for lying down and times for moving forward. From the world's perspective, you would think that first you move forward and then you rest. But David reverses that here in Psalm 23. For us, our day begins when we wake up in the morning. We get up, go to work, come home and crash. We move, then rest. But in the ancient world, the Jewish day began at sundown with a meal and then rest. It might seem like a subtle difference, but that subtle difference can make all the difference in the world. How many of our sins occur when we are tired, when we are hungry? Uh, in the world of recovery, they teach that the most we are most vulnerable to temptation when we are either hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. They use the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So how much better then to start moving after you are fed and rested? So because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I will not lack guidance because he leads me on the path toward ever-increasing righteousness for his glory. Now, sheep are not naturally migratory animals. But left to their own devices, they will devour a pasture down to the roots. They'll clear-cut a field with no thought for tomorrow. 
My grandparents owned about five acres at the edge of town in Prairie City. When they bought the property around 60 years ago, it was largely a pile of rocks left behind by the dredges that went up and down the river during the gold rush days in that area. Uh, they, they built a simple house on the property, and then over the course of years, years and years and years, before work, after work, on the weekends, Grandpa would drive up the mountain behind the house, fill his pickup by hand with the coarse sand that you can find there, and then unload it, slowly filling in the area around the rocks until the property was flat. Some areas required six to nine feet of sand to level out the property. I don't remember how many of those loads I helped with as a kid. I'm sure I've blocked the trauma. Uh, then, when he was done, he would walk the property every day pulling weeds right up until almost the end of his life when he would crawl on his hands and knees pulling weeds. Not bad for a 95-year-old curmudgeon. As he aged, five acres became a bit much to handle. So every year, they would bring in a couple of sheep into the, a fenced-off field and let them have at it. Two sheep were all it took to keep that field mowed down to the nubs. Left to their own devices, sheep will devastate their own pasture. So shepherds would cycle their flocks from pasture to pasture with the seasons. It became an annual circuit. And you can see this movement in this psalm. As author Robert Morgan writes, the flocks begin in green pastures, continue along well-trodden paths, thread through dark canyons, meander into alpine tablelands, circle back through autumnal days to arrive at the master's house at the onset of winter. David could have chosen any number of words for paths or roads in this verse. In Hebrew, he could have used a word that means to be wide, as in a wide road. He could have used a word that means to exchange, as in a trade route where people exchange goods. He could have used words that mean a footpath or a prescribed path, such as the fixed orbital path of the moon. There are more in Hebrew, but he didn't use any of those. He used a word that means circle, as in God is leading me around in circles. Now, does anyone find that as interesting as I do? God is leading me around in circles. How many times does it feel like you've been here before? <laughs> Patterns repeat themselves. Think about a spiral staircase. You keep going around in circles. You keep returning to the place you started, only a level higher. The view looks familiar, but you've grown unless you haven't grown, then you're probably just going around in circles because God doesn't graduate you to the next level until you've passed the one you're on. Sometimes God brings us back to a place that still needs closure that we weren't ready for the first time. Sometimes he wants us to see things from a different perspective, to deepen our understanding of some truth. Sometimes the lessons are so deep that they have to reveal themselves in layers. In the Hebrew text, we get the picture that God leads us in circles or cycles of righteousness, ever-increasing righteousness. He gradually conforms us to the image of Jesus, layer by layer, so that he gets the glory. He is committed to our journey toward righteousness as we become like Jesus, one layer of glory after another for his namesake. 
And that brings us to the end of verse 3. We are booking our way through this psalm now. Before I close, uh, let's read these first three verses together. You can stay seated, but let's just read these out loud together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. For the Israelites... Their 11-day journey to the promised land ended up taking 40 years. And during those 40 years, the good shepherd led them around in circles in the desert, teaching them, testing them, preparing them, demonstrating to them time and again that he was a God worthy of surrender, proving that a life of surrender to him was filled with blessings from him. The kind of blessing anyone would want. A life that has everything it needs, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally. A life at peace. A life that is whole. The broken pieces have been put back together and hope has been restored. A life not wandering aimlessly in circles, but being led in circles with purpose and intentionality. A life where nothing is wasted. Every moment is training and preparation for the future glory of our good shepherd. That's the blessing of surrender. So far, we've still got more to discover. This is the reality of surrender. It's worth reaching for. We live in a world that is headed in, in the opposite direction of this blessing. It too is circling. It's circling the drain. God is leading us in a different direction. There is no shame for those of you still figuring out what surrender looks like. All of us are to one degree or another. None of us is perfectly surrendered. We're all imperfect people on a journey. But now we know what we're aiming for. And when we are missing it, when fear overwhelms peace, when we keep drinking from the pothole of sin instead of thirsting for righteousness, when greed overwhelms contentment, we know what to do. Close our surrender gap. Where is your gap? And what are you going to do about it so you can experience the fullness of the blessing of Psalm 23? Let's pray. As we go to prayer, I'm just going to give you a, a moment to just listen to the Holy Spirit. I believe that he is leading you into ever-increasing righteousness. So what is it today? You know, it's possible as we, we sit here, as you're watching online, it's possible that you have never surrendered anything to God. And your first step is to just give up, to, to believe that Jesus is enough for you. That he, that he came, he died, he rose again so that 
you wouldn't have to go through life alone. And go through life without a shepherd. Those of us on the other side of that will tell you that life with a shepherd is way better than life without a shepherd. But most of us are in that place where we, we've, we've done the, the first part of surrender. We've made the first step and we've just been moving forward in our lives over time and God has just been doing his good work and now there's more good work to be done. So what is that today in your life? Don't leave here without giving it up, without surrendering it. The blessing is far greater than you could ever imagine. Lead us, Father. Lead us, Good Shepherd. Do your perfect work in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions on your own or with others will help the truth of God's Word begin to shape your life as you grow to be like Jesus. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen or you can call the church during the week. If you're just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. We counted a privilege to play a small part in God's perfect work in you today. The people who call Dayspring their home church make this ministry possible. Their faithful giving is proof of God's work in their lives and they just want to pay it forward so you can experience the same life-changing presence of Jesus. For those of you who would like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. Until we meet again, I am praying that God would give you opportunities to use your influence for the glory of his kingdom. And one more thing, thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you connect with us. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. Even more, thank you for sharing our services with your friends and family. If this service was a blessing to you, it'll probably be a blessing to someone else too. God uses you to plant seeds in other people's lives. So keep sowing.